This is the audio podcast with Samuel Freeman and Scott Hewitt. It's only just Wednesday evening by a minute. It's Wednesday the 27th of July and that makes it time for the audio podcast. And I'm Scott Hewitt, but this time I'm joined by somebody else. Hello, Sam. Hello, Scott. Thanks for having me. Hello. Yeah, it's uh, Sam Burkhead. Uh, great, to, great to have you on the show here. Long time listener, first time Thank presenter. You. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, I believe you actually hold the title for the person who has identified the most errors in the wiki so far. Oh, am I? Excellent. Yeah, yeah, that's you. We're we're very grateful for your uh, your, your comments on that. As always, uh, this is uh, number twenty-two, the late night newscast. Um, you can get the show notes at wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk. So go check them out. That'd be awesome. Cool. Shall we? Shall we get into it? Yeah, lead away. Go for it. Lead away. All right. So our first news item we got here is um, a little bit about Universal Music. Um, this is from Boing Boing, um, and a, a little story about a DMCA notice they used as a um, as a takedown notice as a negotiating tactic in licensing some music. Um, the, yeah, it's an interesting story. This. Yeah, the the story was uh, posted by Core Doctor Roy, who's obviously is a you know an incredible mind and really insightful in these things but he basically points out that this scenario occurred where the universal music deliberately issued a false takedown request to prevent other people becoming aware of some music and therefore so they couldn't compete in the licensing for it yeah um it's interesting because um he apparently he filed a non-dmca copyright notice with youtube um so they took it down and then subsequently, um, they 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 put it back up. Well, they it, yeah, it went yeah. down, and then it eventually got back up there. But you know, p- part of the time it was down, the licensing was being driven, wasn't it? It's just yeah, I believe so. So I'm just skimming the story as uh, Scott has uh, launched the show notes on me uh, 20 minutes ago. So um. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, I was very it was very poor. I, I just, you know, I'll tell, I'll say, I'll tell people why later on. I've got a really great excuse for why I'm behind today a little bit, but at least we're doing it on Wednesday. That's a cool story. You should go check it out anyway. Um, it's always difficult in these situations because we're, you know, we're working off a a secondhand account of a secondhand situation and obviously in that kind of things, subtleties can get lost. But I think this is a really worrying trend that people are abusing DMCA notices to the extent where they're now using them as commercial tools. So it's, you know, I'm interested in this item. I'm going to get a DMCA notice put on top of it, get it taken down, and then I can, you know, work exclusively with the content owner because his content's no longer online anyway. So it's, you know. Yeah, there is an amendment to the article um, that it's a non-DMCA copyright notice. Um, So the legalities are a bit sketchy on that one, but even so, it's it's someone trying to protect copyright, um, you know, legitimately or, or otherwise. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's true. When you're talking about copyright, that always makes me think of our uh, the the open source guys. Um, uh, our our next little item here is about OGCamp, um, OGCamp 11, which is celebrating open technology. Um, you can get et- details at it at ogcamp.org. But the thing that particularly jumped out for me was uh, Wayne Myers is giving a talk about professional music production on Linux. So interesting. I, yeah. I think that's really interesting. Um, looking further, with more detail in there, um, Ogcamp's put together by Six Gun Productions, 
which is uh, Dan Lynch is part of that. There, um, he presents on Linux Outlaws and Floss Weekly from Twit Network, and they they do all their production is done on open source technology as well, which is something that we don't currently do for mainly uh, for a single driver reason. Actually, that's the only reason for it. Uh, is this you and your your faithful Motu hardware again, Scott? It, it's me <laughs> and my never breaking Motu hardware. We still <laughs> have Linux drivers. It's, uh, but yeah. I mean, but I, I thought that'd be awesome. I was actually going to try and get down to it, but um, it's the 13th and 14th of August at Farnham Maltings, but it's a little bit too far south. I'm a bit bit scared of the south of England, to be honest. You know, I'm just a northerner at heart. And, you know, I mean, I, I didn't get the courage to go in time and the tickets are all out now. But, you know, I think that would be a really interesting article and I'd be really keen to, to hear about it, to hear, hear what they think, because, you know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is something really that's... Um you know, you, you look at people on, on Apple products and really, you know, that's that's Unix at heart and, you know, you just think, you know, how can this, uh, you know, how can this be taken further and how can the open source guys really step it up a level? Yeah. Um, yeah, no. yeah, that's that's true. I think it's, it's you know, it, it'd be great to see there and he's actually doing professional music production already on Linux. So it's, you know, it's not just a promise or the idea or maybe it's uh, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm doing it. This is how yeah. you could do it, and obviously the advantages of the open source development model, the just open source itself. I'm saying we've talked about it a few, uh, we talked about it a few times on the show. I think back maybe two weeks ago when we were when we did the late night show coming back from the gig, and I was just talking about how I've moved to an open source language for performance work purely so I can install it on any machine I can lay my hands on if I have a problem and I need to change computer at the last minute. And absolutely, um, I mean open source things aren't always cross-platform but um yeah that is a big plus you know being able to um yeah get the things working yeah that's true so that's um old camp 11 um august the 13th to the 14th i believe their tickets are the, the tickets are were sold out but they were kind of doing a thing where if you weren't going to make it could you give your ticket back so there might be a few tickets kind of appear through that sequence in the next couple of days i guess so i'm just flicking flicking down the schedule now see if there's anything else there uh, um, interesting happening as well, you know, besides the audio stuff. I know this is a strictly audio show, but you know, these uh, conferences and events are, you know, you can pick up and, and network there. So um, yeah, you know, pick up pick up tips and network with uh, you know like-minded people. So these are uh, you know good events to to try and attend. Definitely. Yeah, definitely so. Um, let's move on to our next one here. Something um, for the kind of audio game developers amongst us. Um, a, a new a new kind of site has appeared, a new blog, the Game Audio Relevance, um, it, which is basically just links to resources relevant to game audio. Um, it, it is. I'm saying that's basically what it is. It's just a really nice, easy-to-use, simple collection of links. If you're into game production, it'll be really useful. So, Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, definitely going to go in my bookmarks. That's new to me today, so... Um, yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on this. Um, and you know, the, these the game audio guys always have, um, you know, they're, they're using, you know, computer music, um, you know, in, in ways, uh, you know, relevant to, to all aspects of audio production in computers. So, you know, even if you're not strictly into game audio, you know, there's always something in there for, you know, production and, um, you know, everything related to computer music. Yeah, that's that's true. I think the, the the other thing that I really find is cool about this is if you look at the very, the item that's at the top at the moment from Ar- Archive Sound, because they just link to other people's material, but it's budget impl- impl- implications in game audio production. And I think the great thing about the game audio kind of community is that they are they are focused on commercial things. 
you know, Absolutely, I mean, yeah. right, they, they 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 do what they do to not not exclusively to, to earn a living, but they do that to a to a greater degree than maybe perhaps like the home recording community. So yeah, sure. And I, I find it interesting and refreshing to read because it sometimes I kind of feel like you know you're surrounded by home recording purists and the idea that you're thinking how can I how can I leverage this to make to make a bit more profit or offer more value to a client, whereas with you know, with the game community, that's what it. That's what they do. That a lot. They talk much more openly about those kind of condition situations, and I think that's that's interesting. That's something they definitely offer to uh, offer, which is a little different to maybe some of the other communities that people are already involved in. Absolutely, yeah, that's cool. So, um, uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, another conference. Um, the AES, um, a uh, Audio Engineering Society. They obviously have their 131st convention in New York in October. And they've released uh, details about some of the some of the programmer talks that they've got running. Yeah. Um, now the 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 main source I could find for this was actually the Pro Sound Network, uh, ProSoundNetwork.com, which is an which is an incredible resource. Um, but it, it was interesting to have a look down some of the some of the elements they're planning on having pre- presentations on. To take a look there. Was there anything that caught your attention in particular, Sam? Um, new DSP algorithms always interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Absolutely, I'm just flicking down here. Um, I, I like the d- data networks as a digital audio transport mechanism. You know, pushing audio around audio and control data over a network. I think that's really the future of where we're going to go. Absolutely, that's something I've personally been working on a lot recently. Um, ten things to get to get right. Um, leading independent audio engineer systems integrator will discuss differences and similarities between um, houses of worship and lay facilities. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, there's stuff there for, you know, installations and, uh, um, you know, theatrical microphones and those, those sort of things, as well as, you know, your computer-based stuff. So, um, yeah, it's uh, all aspects of uh, audio engineering, definitely. Yeah, def- definitely so. One I really liked, I-, I think AES is really great at handling the nitty-gritty and the really the really complex that it's sometimes difficult to kind of get that information for. And I see they've got AC power and grounding for live performance and... I'll be honest, I've done a lot of kind of live work and I've done a lot of theater work and I've done a lot of outdoor festival work, but the, the whole kind of how the AC, how, how the power supply is going to work is a little bit of a kind of voodoo to it at times. You're like, you know, you, you kind of learn what works and what doesn't work with the rig you have and you try and work out how to get the, the bigger message, you know, bigger bits. About yeah. that. But I'm just thinking, you know, 10 years ago when I kind of started out in, in, you know, especially in the outdoor stuff, wow, I would have killed for somebody to have sat me down and explained, you know, how to do AC power and how to how to do it in the the best way possible and the most reliable way possible. That would have been that would have saved me a lot of hassle. It really would have done. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> cool. So uh, shall we move on to our next item? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you're just letting me introduce all the items here. That's that's very pervy. That's okay though. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, new time presenter. You got to give me a chance here. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. So um, here now. The link I could have taken the link to this item from just about anywhere actually, but I thought that the Pro Tooler blog got this, did this the most succinctly, and it and basically the item is stay away from Lion. <laughs> and it obviously Apple Apple rolled out a new OS, um, and it it it's just been a nightmare. I think it's probably the most polite way of putting it. Um, Pro Tools obviously aren't supporting it yet. That's not really a surprise. I'm saying. Pro Tools is always behind, isn't it? Um, Motu rolled out an update two days ago, which they claim is okay, but I've heard a couple of rumors of problems. Um, 
a, one, of, one of the programming languages I do a lot of work in, um, Chuck, depends on RT, the RT Audio library, and it turns out the RT Audio library and Lion just don't just don't get on at all. It's I think it's uh, a completely I mean, right in order now. I believe that we could close. probably list you know you know lots and lots of companies, native instruments. I know um, someone who's, who's traditionally had uh, problems with um, you know OS upgrades, but I think. Really, the the core issue here is is how long these um, you know developers have had um, you know with the with the Lion API to get um, a, you know to get a product ready for Lion launch, and I think um, I think uh, maybe it's down to Apple not giving them you know enough time with the with the code there. I mean, I think that you know that all these companies you know they're professional you know uh, commercial software providers, and I think um, you know I don't think this is their fault. To be honest, I don't. You know, I think it's it's got to be um, looked at a different way for blaming everyone for not being being uh, you know being compatible. Um, I guess so. I'm saying, it, it's always tricky to know what kind of advanced notice people are getting or not, isn't it? Because it is. Yeah, I mean, if, if Apple wanted everything to work on day one, then they need to supply it weeks in advance to the big partners. And you would think that somebody like you know Avid with Pro Tools would qualify into that. Yeah, you would into that bracket. You can understand, obviously, with open source projects or open source elements, then it would obviously be really impractical for them to supply. And you know, this is the new update, kind of on yeah. its way. Kind of look at that. But even then, if you think the developer builds were available for the last week or so, a couple last couple of weeks, so yeah, it depends how how you know how ingrained you are into you know into the uh, Snow Leopard uh, domain, I suppose. Really, with your with your code, yeah, um, I guess so. It it intrigues me that I I don't remember since the move maybe from ten point two to ten point three. Um, I I don't recall there being this many problems so quickly. Like, it, uh-huh. it's obviously people have just been it breaks, it breaks, it breaks, it breaks, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and I I think that's kind of interesting because for an Apple user from a long time, the one the one reason I am an Apple user is because the audio system is just rock solid. Yeah, like, sure. I I don't know what Apple could do to the, due to the audio that I would want them to do. It it does everything I want it to do. Aggregate drivers are incredible. You know where you can just get different sound cards on different different interfaces and just link them all as one big sound card and use them universally. It's, you know what I, I mean. mean? There's, there isn't anything. I on the top of my head, I'm sure they could think of something, but you know, I mean, if if they were to say right, it's just going to be a little bit more reliable than it was last time, I'd be like, well, that's fine. That's really all I want my audio system to do. So yeah, sure. I mean, not being an Apple user myself, you know, I, I dual boot between um, Linux uh, distros and, and Windows. I haven't really researched the, you know, the, this line launch, obviously personally. Um, but what I was going to ask you is, you know, what what are the new features in line that would um, would aid a, a, you know, someone interested in music and music production on on Apple. You, you know, you know, Sam. That's a great question, and you're right to ask me what. You're right. You're right. To ask me it. Um, to be honest, I haven't a clue. Um, exactly. I, I I haven't I haven't looked into I haven't looked into it because obviously, <laughs> I I do this. I do other podcasts to you know yeah, yeah. to do stuff. I I teach a variety of languages, variety of different stuff like that. And I I can't afford for my machine not to work. And there's no way in a million years I I thought this would work. You know, and I kind of knew anyway. It's you know yeah pro you know. They're going to run a new OS out, and it's going to trash a whole load of things. And you know, I'm I'm one of those people where, for me, my machine working every day is the important thing. And absolutely, 
when I get to the point where I know with absolute certainty everything will be fine, then I can begin to think about a new OS build. But if you're moving OS, there's so much to do, isn't there? I'm saying, I, you know, this is an audio show, so let's not get too much into our computers here. But, you know, if I'm moving, I want to back up everything. I want to back it up a couple of times. You know, I want to have it all set up. I'm going to have to go get license keys all sorted out, all that stuff. Maybe pay for upgrades on software. There's so much stuff to do. I mean, is, is there not like a, an upgrade pass for... The Lion, or is it, is it a complete fresh install? Of, or, or do you think that would be the way to do it if you were to do it? Well, actually, the pro- the thing with Lion is that you you get it online via the App Store, so it's not actually on physical media. Sure. So you you press download, and down it comes, and then it installs, and that terrifies me as well because I know right now that my my current build is in a right mess. Well, it's not a right mess, but I've been kind of tinkering with a few things, and to be honest, I'm I'm aware that there's a couple of problems in there, and I'd rather than Rather than fix them, I would probably just reinstall the OS when I had time, and that would be it. It uh-huh. so they're not they're not problems with the audio system; they're problems with you know. Um, I've been doing a bit of latex recently, and I've trashed a, I've got a broken text build in the background, and it's, so it's your your dependencies and all that sort of stuff lying around. And yeah, yeah, and it's like well, you could fix that manually if you want to spend the time, but it's quicker to just fresh install the OS, and I'd. In many ways, I've been thinking, well, when the new OS comes out, I'll probably do that, and a fresh install would be the way to go. And then Apple said, oh, well, it's it's not going to be physical media. It's going to be an upgrade via the App Store. And, you know, ever since that happened, I was kind of like, wow, this one's going to be a really a really awkward, awkward next step. So I, I actually, I'm, I'm actually kind of in the market for a new laptop. I'm starting to think about where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do next. And I am... I'm I'm pretty certain actually that I'm nev- I'm not going to upgrade this machine. I think this machine sure. is just going to stay where it is, and I'm going to get a new, you know, I'll get a new laptop. Chances are probably going to be a Mac, and if it is, it'll come with the new OS, and that'd be fine. And yeah. that that'd be where I am. But we'll have to see. I'm saying it's you know, have to. Uh, have to see. I don't want to dwell too long on on this topic of you know the Apple, new Apple OS, but do you think um, Apple's decision decision to make uh, Line a, a download only? Is a, is sort of a shift in in the way Apple are, are thinking about consumers, and if you're not on the internet, you you don't, you know, kind of, um, you're not important to us. Or do you think that's that's the way they're going with it, or not? I, I think probably so. I, yeah. I I think to be honest, personally, I probably have some some fairly strong opinions about Apple now because I kind of feel that. Well, let let me balance it. First of all, you know. I have a five-year-old MacBook, Intel MacBook, that hasn't ever not worked yet. Yeah, Fingers sure. crossed, he says, as he's recording a show on it right now, and I don't, we don't really want to have to go back to the beginning if it dies. But touch wood, yeah. Touch wood. But you know what I mean? That's, that's my experience of it. And as a consequence of that, I would buy Mac hardware more than happily. I've recommended them to a lot of people, and it's, it's always worked out fine. You know, it's, it's good quality hardware. It's well built. Sure. You know what I mean? Kind of stuff. But at the same point, there is a shift in the Apple focus. I'm saying, I, in my mind, Apple are a computer company who make their money out of iTunes and the iTunes ecosystem, which is, you know, buy your iOS devices, install your apps, get your music, get your movies, your TV shows, all that stuff. And I think with what we saw with kind of a Final Cut, with the, with the Final Cut release, I, I think the kind of professional, the professional computing segment is kind of disappearing, is kind of shifting from their focus a little bit right now. Yeah. Which is fair enough. It's probably it's not a significant revenue stream to them, and you know, not anymore. Or it's probably one they they think might decline, or one they think they have to work hard to maintain. And and that kind of worries me a bit because I don't really want to go out and buy 
another piece of hardware. Like if, even if I was to run Linux on a on on my next machine, which is something I would consider doing, I think if I could get a sound card driver to get to do the job, then yeah. even if I was to do that, I'd probably still buy Apple hardware to do the job, just because my experience of it is just absolutely solid. It's you know they don't they don't break every every Apple piece every Apple computer I've owned still works. So, you know, what I mean, it, it's just an incredible build quality. So, yeah. Anyway, that's a lot of Apple. Let's have no more yeah. Apple. Let's move it on. Is, yeah. So, um, a, a story which is actually a real story. Well, um, Isotope have released the uh, T Pain uh, T Pain effect, which is a, a great kind of cool set of sequences to do some drums. Um, it's a whole kind of package. There is a serious story, which is obviously the fact they've released it, and you can, you know, T Pain your voice. You can use it to do beats. There's a whole way of kind of sharing songs and material for it as well. With but, SoundCloud, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, with SoundCloud. Yeah, with SoundCloud. Yeah, but. The bit I would actually like to send you to really is the uh, YouTube video of T Pain telling you how to get the T Pain effect, which is just an awesome video. Did you have opportunity to watch it? Or um, yeah, I opened all these tabs up uh, at once, and uh, I had to find the tab that was making lots of noise. And the, the funny bit was uh, when he says, the, uh, "One out of ten. How easy is it to make music using T Pain?" And he says, 13. That's the easiest." Yeah, yeah. It, it is cool. It's a cool pair of shades as well. <laughs> um, we we I think uh, was the last week's show maybe a week, week before we discussed how I couldn't pull off a leather jacket. Well, there's no way I can pull off the shades and bling that's going on here. I don't think shades uh, and bling. Do, do you think you could do it? No, no, no. no. I'm a skinny white guy. I don't <laughs> think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, anyway, actually onto the onto the product. What do you think to this sort of thing um, as uh, as an environment for working? It's fun. I, I think it's fun. It's a fun environment to work in, isn't it? I'm saying you, it, and it yeah. gives you, it it feels like it drives you towards an outcome. And if you that's the outcome you want, then this is going to be a fun way of getting there. And uh-huh. and and to be honest, I think that's a cool thing. You know what I mean? You have a tool, and a tool does a job, and that job's to make this kind of material, and then it's there, and you're done, and time to go to, you know, you do something else in a different style or a different kind of genre, then you use a different tool to achieve that. I think that's a good way yeah. to go. I agree with the the right tool for the job methodology, yeah. There, um, there was a cool button. I watched one of the, the videos, and there's a cool button where it's like drop the beat or something, and you basically you hold the button down, and that cuts out the that, that cuts, cuts out the drums until you let go of the button, and then the, and then the kind of beat comes back in. And yeah. I, I thought to myself, as I saw that, I was like, wow, that's such an obvious... And really useful and really powerful button. <laughs> it only does one thing, but that's like, wow, how many times do you need that button just to do something? And oh, well, you would do it with automation and you know maybe logic or something, wouldn't you? But how many times have you wanted that button and it's not been there? It's I thought it was pretty cool that it was there. I like that. That's a, yeah. Excellent. I mean, Isotope, you know, they're they're renowned uh, really for making uh, making good stuff, and obviously it's been endorsed by by this guy. So I think it's uh, a good combination. Um, isotope really, you know. I, I, in fact, I remember Ozone being one of the first sort of internal 64-bit, um, you know, sort of processing um, packages really that I, I can remember coming yeah. coming on the scene. Anyway, so um, yeah, I've always been a fan of you know the quality of their their stuff. So it's certainly one to check out if you're into that sort of thing. That's cool. Yeah. So the you get the T-Pain engine, which kind of brings the other elements together, the T-Pain effects, um, and then iDrum, which is the T-Pain edition of it. One thing though, ninety-nine dollars. Do you think it's worth ninety-nine dollars? Um, 
let's not answer that. Let's not answer that. I'm not sure how I. I'm not sure. Make make your own mind up. Yeah, go go, go check the, the videos. Are cool. I'm saying definitely check the videos out, and the sounds are really cool as well. It just uh-huh. for me, it feels a little bit of too much of a one trick pony, mate. Well, you know, for that sort of price, it feels maybe like it's. But then it does sound awesome, actually. You know what? Just rescind all of that. It sounds awesome. It looks awesome. It has that cool button. I think it's good to go. <laughs> there you go. How about that? <laughs> what 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 a U turn in the middle of a show. Where, where, what are we off to next here? Oh, here we go. Uh, it's it's always important that we have a iPod story every every episode. That isn't yeah, something MIDI, we try and do, but we've Land Six MIDI mobilizer. Yeah, so a, a MIDI interface for your um, iPhone and iPad. There you go. It, it's what it is. What it says it is. It is. Say no more. Say no more. I think um, I think there's a, a few of these devices out. I can't name them off the top of my head, but uh, you know, core MIDI. Obviously, uh, native on iOS now, so um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, an easy way to get things in and out. Looks yeah. uh, ch- cheap enough. Yeah, um, definitely. So, it looks like a fairly simple solution. Um, yeah, you know, I I wonder. I I'm yet to be convinced by. I have an iPad. I've tried to kind of do some music, make some music on it once. It just seemed really awkward and clunky and hard work. But then I was probably doing it in a way they hadn't inspected, expected me to do it. So, sure. You know? I mean, I think certainly these devices are great as controllers. You know, sending MIDI or Open Sound Control or you know some other protocol into your your main music making machine. I think that that's something that's definitely um, a great use of you know touch technology. Um, but you know, as as for total integrated sequences, I mean, you know, GarageBand and those sort of things. I think um, you know they're, they're there for the people that um, yeah want to use them and uh, you know find that, that that's an easy easy path for them. But um, I can't see myself doing that personally. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think it's um you know, it, it's interesting. I think I I was actually listening. I was listening to a podcast yesterday. Oh, it's gone out of my head. I'm not going to be able to remember what the podcast was. Linux Outlaws. It was a Linux Outlaws show I was listening to, and they were talking about tablet devices. And I thought they made a really key point, which is that your tablet, the tablet devices, are just expensive. Yeah, they're just really expensive, and it's like, you know, they they were comparing. Well, I think it was one of the iPads, and they were just saying how you can get two netbooks or three netbooks for the price of an iPad, and you know, I mean, your netbook might not be ideal, but I know you uh, you use a netbook, don't you, with a low power yeah. processor? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I've got a Samsung NC10. I've had it for about three and a half years, and it's uh, yeah, still going strong, apart from a broken screen because I stood on it. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, from an audio, look. I'm saying you do a lot of audio work on that, and it's fine, isn't it? So. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, as long as you're not, you know, uh, I've got two gig RAM stick in there, upgrade, and as long as you're not doing, you know, masses of, you know, processing power. I mean, CPU is obviously the main limitation on a machine that size. As long as you're not doing loads of uh, Processing, yeah, it's as capable as anything else. Um, yeah, oh, that's cool. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, uh, let's move on again. Um, uh, a new set of sound cards have been released from by Presonus. Um, it's okay. the 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 audio box set of sound cards. They're all USB two, um, with a variety of analog in, analog out. Um, you know, kind of set. They're available in three different ones. Um, I thought I'd particularly look at the eighteen by eighteen because that's obviously their largest. That's the largest one there. Um, yeah, sure. Look, that's kind of cool. I'm saying, obviously, Personas have a great kind of reputation for, for quality hardware that does the job and works. Um, 
these ones are VSL ones, so they come with the Virtual Studio Live software. So you get um, the opportunity to you know reverb effects and compression. Um, the the actual the actual same effects that you get on the Studio Live 1602 uh, mixer. So if you know that mixer and you're happy with what you get out of it, then this is the kind of mixer in a in a rack for recording solution, which is which is kind of um, nice. Is that DSP on the box or bundled plugins or? Yeah, you get you get a mixer on the you get the mixer on the box with the bundled plugins as well. So, um, okay, I, I guess I'm saying pretty much every every kind of professional or kind of high level consumer targeted sound card is now offering onboard processing, isn't it? I think as a yeah, I would say so. That's a fair assumption. I think for uh, certainly you know high, high you know mid to high end things, yeah, definitely, and that's something you should be looking out for, especially when you're buying a new sound card. Um, not only the hardware, but also what what the so- what's the software support and what what else comes bundled with it. How are the drivers and how solid is is you know the software side of it as well as the hardware. Yeah, d- definitely, I agree. I I think the one feature that's really useful is obviously you get the the zero latency monitoring out of the out of the digital mixer. So you can basically take the take the inputs and mix them directly through, with the onboard mixer on the sound card to a set of outputs and you get that at basically zero latency so gives you the opportunity yeah. to give you the monitoring to, to give you sensible monitoring which is really which is really useful and to you know a whole variety of situations yeah yeah definitely so um yeah i, d- I definitely recommend that i i think the we, we've talked about it before so i don't want to rehash it too much but it's important it's definitely important to get a look at that software if you can if you're somewhere and you're buying or like on youtube and things because you'll find that um, obviously, the Motu hardware that I'm kind of familiar with has QMix, which is quite a simple interpret, simple way of doing it. But its simplicity means it's easy to use, and as long as you know what it can't do, you're fine. Whereas something like the RME Firefaces have an incredibly flexible and powerful kind of digital mixer system, which requires a lot more kind of sit down and think about time. So yeah, it's, yeah, you know, I mean, they're two different approaches to the same problem, and depending on which way around you go, which way, you know, how you like these things, you might prefer one option to the other option, maybe. It's, a, it's just as an option, isn't it? Cool, shall we move on again then from the Persona stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, are we looking now at the, the iVox, the gesture-controlled Yeah, um, gesture-controlled music. Yeah. iOS device available on the App Store. It's new. Uh, you don't need a keyboard, a fretboard, or a touchscreen to start making music. All you need is your own hands. Introducing okay. a new era in music creation. That is some claim there, isn't it? A new era is, in music creation. That's the tagline. Um, does it live up to the hype, Scott? What do you think? I, I haven't installed it. Um, to be honest, waving my hand above a device as some sort of music expression just feels like a gimmick. Um, yeah. Um, we've had fer- I'm saying pheromones and things like that. You've, it's, is it that new? I don't know. I mean, really, it's, is it just using the, the, the camera input, I assume? Yeah, it, it, it's it's just camera. It's it's going to be positional position tracking stuff, isn't it? It's um, yeah. I, I guess to be to be let's be fair though. I'm saying the marketing hybrid, you know, the marketing pitch is right. It does do something different. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It, it'll be a fun way of doing it with your friends. You know, what I mean, there's nothing more fun than when somebody's like trying to do something serious with that kind of thing to just like throw your hand in the way on purpose, is it? I'm saying it's just it's just fun. It's you know, it's, it's kind of nice. So, what sort of what sort of output do you get from this? Is it um, in the box audio, or does it send control data out, or um, it, it, it's audio in the box, isn't it? So it's it, okay. it's all in there. It's just a matter of you get it you get it straight out of there. Um, a couple of 
you're basically driving a synth, I would expect, possibly... I haven't looked at it in great detail, but I suspect you're driving a synth, whether it's a kind of wave table synth or whether it's actually doing some sort of kind of more fundamental ground-up synthesis, I'm not sure. But you're, you're uh, just going to be driving here, parameters. Here we go. Airvox runs a fully featured uh, real-time audio synthesis engine. It does not use samples. Um, cool. And, it, and, you know, your play is generated as you play it, as a true instrument should. So Yeah, that's pretty you know, cool. That's, that's a good good claim. You know, if, you, if you're saying... You know, this is this is a new way of playing. Uh, you know, new way of interfacing with your your phone to make music. It's it's certainly yeah, going for the the, the instrument pack. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Well, you can uh, obviously in the show notes at wiki the audio podcast. You can uh, you you can get you can get the link here. This is the Airvox by Yonak.com. It's available in the App Store as well if you want to get it on your um, iPhone. So you know, have a play with it. Maybe you'll like it. I think that's cool. Yeah. Let's keep going. Our time is our time is running against us here, so we're, let's keep let's keep moving here quickly. Um, another release, um, the Texture Granular Synth Three, uh, by by a team team based in Italy, is a granular synth available for all of the major platforms, so um, Mac and Windows, um, as um, audio units or VST as appropriate. It, it looks cool. I'm saying it's a, it's a proper kind of formal academic release here, which is maybe you know I wouldn't let that put you off. It looks it, it looks like a powerful kind of granular synth, which. Kind yeah, of interesting I mean, often with these sort of releases, um, you don't always get lots of bundled presets. You know, it's really getting stuck in with with all the knobs and, and controls and um, seeing what sort of uh, sounds you can get out of it. Um, and certainly granular textures and um, those sort of things spring to mind with this sort of device. Um, Definitely so. Um, in particular, it's an implementation of an asynchronous granular, granular sound. Okay. So... Um, obviously, a, a lot of the more common ones tend to be kind of tend to be synchronous. So, you know, the, the asynchronous stuff gives you a whole new set of parameters to kind of explore and to kind of to kind of look at. And there's much more of that kind of wave, um, much more of that. Sorry, not wave, but cloud kind of based sonority composition. You know, it's you're, you're building a cloud of a certain property and morphing that property over time, and that kind of brings about the change in the in the sonority that you're listening to. So, I'm a big fan of asynchronous granular synthesis actually so I definitely uh, yeah I like it I had a very quick play and I was I was I was pretty impressed I thought it was really quite cool so there you go cool. want to check out yeah definitely so definitely so um I think now we've made it to the reason why um we're we're doing this show late again and I managed to get the show notes to you with so little time for you to prepare which is very poor of me and that's because <laughs> of uh, something that I'm involved in um which is local to both of well both of ourselves isn't it um the University yeah. of Huddersfield here uh, University of Huddersfield is hosting the International Computer Music Conference 2011 um, in Huddersfield. I, I've spent today uh, rigging things for it, basically. Um, that may sound glamorous. In reality, I've uh, shifted hundreds of desks and chairs and moved big, heavy things and stuff like that. But it's a great opportunity. If you're in the UK, you're around Huddersfield, then, um, you know, the, the the formal conference, the ICMC, is a it's a big it's a big conference. There's loads of announcements made. It's re- it's really quite an interesting thing, uh, concerts as well, which is cool. That's that's why I was late. Um, <laughs> why I was late and why we're badly organized today. Um, something I would say though, actually, which is more relevant, the conference itself is booked up and it's quite expensive and it's quite staid. But uh, running alongside the conference on Monday and Tuesday with presentations, on Sunday and Wednesday with gigs, is the ICMC Unconference, which is a free to attend. Anybody can come along. 
you can turn up with something you want to talk about and basically kind of make a pitch for people's attention to talk about it. And if people are interested in listening, then you can talk about it and they're listen. And if they're not interested in listening, you could talk about it to yourself if you wanted to, I guess. But Audi- audience free. Yeah, audience free, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that way nobody would disagree with you you can just be like yeah that's great I like that that's cool yeah <laughs> so that's um, that's a great opportunity um, I will be at the un- well I'll be at the conference I'm kind of teching about there um, I'll be at the unconference as well though so you know if you're listening yeah, to the show I... and you're going to be either of those things come say hi to me for sure and Sam Freeman who's normally there be there yeah um, I, I'll be at the unconference as well I think I don't have a ticket for the, the main uh, main event but there'll be lots of interesting things going on all week i think in huddersfield yeah that, that's true yeah so if if you're at the unconf you'll be able to see sam sam burkett as well sam freeman will be at the unconf um yeah and i guess hey maybe even alex hawker will be there as well so if you want to hear any of our and scott mclaughlin so if you want to hear, see any of the present any of the audio podcast team you can come say hi to them at the unconf that'd be kind of fun they might not all be there it's just they could be there yeah that's a pretty pre- yeah they might not be there i'll be there yeah, that's. I'll just say that I'll be there, and Sam will be there because you said you'd be there, so that's cool. Yeah, maybe we should do a tweet up or something. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be ace. You know what I mean? That's cool. Yeah, how about this? Check this out, right? So, if you want to, if you come, if you come and see us at the at ICMC Unconference, then if you want to bring something random that you would like us to sign as a memento of meeting us, then <laughs> I'm happy to say that I'm willing to sign random things as a memento of meeting. The audio podcast team. That's uh, and any of the other the other presenters we've had on. We've had quite a few recently because Sam's having a holiday. But um, any of the other people we've had, if they're there, I will help you persuade them to also sign this random piece of memorabilia for you. So that's quite an opportunity. <laughs> do you do you feel do you think that's a great opportunity for people, Sam? Um, I wouldn't want anything signed. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know you, so I'm the wrong person to ask. You should be asking the audience. Yes, audience, what do you think? Okay, uh, our show's run 37 minutes, so you know what? We should get to the plunder. Ooh, I like these. Arr, yeah. my hearties. All right, then, so we've got uh, two items to plunder. Um, audio, audio Geek Sign. Oh, this is such an awesome site, isn't it? <laughs> the Audio Geek yeah. Sign's an awesome site. <laughs> Just going to say that again. Um, they got, awesome. got this really cool article, which is called The 24-Bit Advantage. Um, and basically saying why you would choose to work with 20 in 24 bit rather than 16 bit mm-hmm. um it, it's a cool little read it's not particularly long I'd, I'd recommend it um interestingly a lot of people i'm saying some of the reasons are really obvious but something i thought was particularly cool is the fact they actually talk about what happens at the elect what's actually happening electron at the electrical level in terms of the advantages of working at 24 bit in terms of millivolts and that sort of stuff so yeah i thought that was a lot more detail than i've recently seen in that kind of topic so that's kind of cool. Sam, do you record at 24-bit? Um, I do, yeah. Ooh. Very cool. Yeah. What was I, the main uh, reason for that? Um, just extra headroom, I guess. You know, it's... Uh, that's. Uh, I mean, I'm sure... I, I don't know the, the, the specifics about... You know, I always just do because I can. Well, Fair you know, enough. It's there. it's there, you know. You might as well make use of it. It's... Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, with the exception of our one show back in the annuals of time, if, if Sam Freeman were here, he would just immediately tell us which one it was. There is one show that we recorded at like WAV with kind of a nice set of Neumann mics and at 24-bit, but everything else is at 16-bit. Because we, You know why? Because we crush it <laughs> into this horrible MP3 <laughs> that you're listening well, to I mean, now. 
if you're disseminating, you know, across the web, and you know, often you know, labels will, you know, they'll record at you know very high, you know, high sampling, uh, you know, uh, sorry, not sampling frequencies, a bit bit that, and uh, you know, they'll crush it down for dissemination. Um, you know, especially if they're putting on YouTube or whatever. You know, it's, uh, it, um, you know, just just aids in the transfer, doesn't it? Not everyone's got 100 meg broadband. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It's very true. And and our final article here is always it's a cool Vimeo uh, video. Um, it, it's basically about kind of doing dialogue editing on the new X Men movie. Um, got by a, a guy called Michael Morrisus. You can obviously get the the links in the wiki there. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. I I really like his attitude actually because it's rather than it being a, this is how you should be doing it. It's much more of a this is how I was doing it, and I found that I can alter my workflow and do this instead, and this seems to be really powerful and a better way of doing it. Um, he, he's working inside, you know, a lot of it's specific to the environment he's working inside of, but nonetheless, it's still, you know, it's it's still interesting to see. It's Pro Tools that he's inside of, but I, I thought it was quite interesting, actually. I haven't actually watched this, but I will do after recording the, the podcast this evening. Um, just as a side note, I always find... Um, these screencasts, when people are, um, you know, describing what they're doing and why they're doing it, are a lot more useful sometimes than um, just blindly reading, you know, textbooks or, you know, you're actually getting into the creative mind of someone and someone making money in this profession. So um, that's always very, very, very useful uh, point of view that you know you should take on board. Yeah, for sure. And that's it. We've made it to the end of the show. Excellent. Yeah, we we just need to do a little a little kind of you know seal up here. So I'm going to do one of them and then leave you to do leave one of them as well. So we got um obviously if you want to check out any of the articles, we got wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk. There you can check all the links for all the shows, all the previous shows, all the links to the previous shows are there, and you can subscribe to the show as well. So subscribe because that's awesome. Uh, yeah. You, where where can they get us on Twitter? Uh, at the audio podcast. That's right. If uh, we've got any typos <laughs> and you spot them before Sam does, you can uh you can. You can Twitter us them. We love to hear them as well. Um, also, if, uh, email show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk if you want to complain about anything in particular. Um, if you if you are complaining about something, feel free to uh, direct it to Sam in particular because he's not on the show <laughs> this week. So, you know, he'll, he'll be like, ah, oh, I see they're complaining about something I didn't do. Excellent. So that's kind of cool. Um, otherwise, I think we're done. Sam, let me thank you, Mr. Sam Burkhead. Where can people find out about you? Um, uh, SamBurkhead.com. Awesome. Uh, you so wish. Yeah. So wish. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Go check out. That's. There's some stuff there. Um. There'll be some stuff about biotic audio up there. Yeah. That was a a, a, a long time ago project. But uh, yeah. Yeah. There's some stuff up there. I've got some recordings. So some recording. go check out some of my music and some of my code. You. You're more than welcome to. Awesome stuff. Cool. I'm Scott Hewitt. This has been the audio podcast show number twenty-two. Bye. Bye. <laughs>